0: See, and there's, yes, we shall be ready.
1: All right, I'm ready to rock.
2: This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, brought to you by Profits Plus Solutions. Increasing your profits, plus building your business for the future. We are Profits Plus. You can find us at profitsplus.org. This is Small Business Conversations on PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Now, the host of Small Business Conversations, principal of Profits Plus Solutions. Here is Tom Shea.
0: Good evening, everyone. And welcome to Small Business Conversations with Tom Shea. We so appreciate your taking the time to come and be with us tonight, that you would take a break from your work to join us as we have searched our catalog of of people that we've met in business and we bring one of them to you in each of our programs, someone who has expertise that is most definitely worth us all sitting down and listening tonight. And tonight... Is definitely no exception. So we have an, an hour long conversation, and that's why we call the program Conversations, because we invite a guest that we're going to, shall we say, have you eavesdrop as we're going to talk about the business and things that we can all grow from our guest information. Let me take care of the details. This is um, July 6, 2023. Tonight's Small Business Conversations is being recorded. It will be on the Profits Plus website as an MP4 file ever so shortly after the program tonight. So you can simply click listen or if you're still using something like an iPod and want to download it, that's available to you. We also have it available on I think it's now 18 different podcast services. So if you are a regular podcast listener, we should have you covered. The podcast services that utilize us are podcast, uh, let's see, Amazon Music, Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Castbox, Castro, Google Play, iHeartRadio, iVox, Listen Notes, Overcast, Pandora, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Verbal and between Apple and Android, all of the various home and car programs that they have, as well as anybody's smart speaker. All you got to do is say you want to take and listen to Small Business Conversations with Tom Shea, and it'll come playing over your home stereo system or whatever way that you have your home set up or your office. And if you denote it on your podcast service, you'll get your notification that a new recording is up and ready for you to listen to. So, let's talk about business. Our guest tonight goes back a number of years with me. I'm not sure I'll ask him where did we first meet a long time ago, but he's an individual that I have been fascinated by because he studies business. He makes lots of observations. And importantly, he's seen and been a part of lots of different small businesses. And he's one of those people who makes a lot of close notes as to what he sees and ideas that when we get together we talk about things that we've seen in businesses and what someone's doing is an awesome job and what's a situation that we wish we could help somebody to correct it. My guest is uh, a 30-year veteran. He comes from the consumer packaged goods industry. And he is passionate, oh, he is so passionate, about optimizing results across the retail supply chain. He speaks at industry conferences, and he's an editorial contributor frequently. He has some very thought-provoking presentations. They captivate you. They make you just want to sit there and listen and beg for more to hear more ideas that are good for each of our businesses. Uh, He is Vice President of Strategic Relations, and he is one of the co-owners of a company called Hamaker Resource Group. So he has had the opportunity to connect with, he counsels, he offers business improvement solutions for various areas of manufacturing, distributors, wholesalers, retailers, and technology providers. So we ask him to come to us tonight with his bird's eye view of what he has seen Both in product and service side of the business, his ability to assess situations and come up with creative ideas that will help a business to become leaders within their community and within their industry. And with that being said, I welcome my good friend Dave Winland. Dave, you there, my friend?
1: Tom, thank you very much. What a kind introduction my goodness Um, you know first of all you didn't have to say that we've known each other so long that makes us both sound very old but I guess it would also suggest that we've got that experience from having lived a long long enough time to have walked the walk seen an awful lot of businesses out in the marketplace and had the opportunity as you suggested to offer some advice but more importantly to learn along the way.
0: And it is a good small business owner who will take the time and when they interact with someone such as yourself to ask questions, ask what they've seen. Uh, My father was one, uh, to the extent that I remember sales reps that would say, I could never make a sales call on your business business and leave. Your father was going to collar me, bring me into his office, and sit me in a chair and say, tell me what you see. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what I could do better in my business. Tell me what someone's doing that's a a great job. So while for our program tonight, we bring someone such as Dave to the table for us to listen to, The other side of the coin is we have to be the good listeners and we have to be the good students and be willing to hear ideas that perhaps are contrary to our thought process and go, well, it's working somewhere. Perhaps we need to watch it and think of let's experiment where I assume, Dave, you have a similar experience that I do in seeing someone sharing an idea and they say that will never work. And my response is, you are right. It will not work. You haven't tried anything yet, but you've already made up your mind that it will not work, and therefore, it has no chance of success. So with that, well, call, was, I invite everyone was, listening to the podcast
1: try it. It was Henry Ford, Tom, who said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Um, because if you think you can't oh, do something, it'll never get done. Um, you know, you were kind enough to to mention a couple of things along our kind of intersecting paths over the last couple of decades, where I believe we first met at this conference in San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. And I had a, uh, a packed room for a presentation, and I was at that time doing probably 15 to 20 talks a year, and I was followed by this gentleman I didn't know by the name of Tom Shea. And I thought, well, I'm pretty excited because I, I had an impact on all of these people in the room and none of them got out of their chairs when I got done. And another hundreds filed into the room. They were there to hear you, Tom. Um, and they wanted a good seat. I hope that some of what I said stuck, but I know all of what you said was acted upon. And that, I believe, was, was about nearly 20 years ago when we first met um, you know you mentioned Hamacker resource group our little company out of milwaukee i'm very fortunate to have a team of about 50 folks at our office who work with businesses that you described manufacturers wholesalers retailers technology companies helping them ask one more question and the question is usually How can I improve my business? What can I do differently today that I wasn't doing yesterday that'll get me to the next level? And I love those questions. And I think the entirety of our consultancy is built on the fact that we're great listeners and we're not shy about offering suggestions and advice.
0: And all of us who are trying to be good business owners are coming with open ears so tell me about Hamaker (laughs) how long has it been there how'd you come up with the idea
1: yeah that's it's a great question actually the the company was founded uh, 40 uh, 43 years ago by a pharmacist and his name was Dave Hammacher. is Dave Hammacher? he is still with us Uh, Dave was a uh, an entrepreneur at heart And although he wore his white jacket and filled prescriptions in the back of the store, his group of pharmacies were best known for the customer service that they offered to their patrons. And in 1979, that operation, uh, 17 stores were sold to Walgreens and Dave had a decision to make. And so Dave Hamacher said, I want to help other businesses. And he decided to, really focus on the retail marketplace, small independent retail, mostly pharmacy, where he could bring, help them decide what products to carry, how to price those products, where to place them on the shelf, and how to really differentiate from what was becoming a very aggressive uh, chain-led marketplace. Fast forward to where we are today, Tom, you know, uh, now in 2023, there's a group of us that have owned the organization since 2001, and we have expanded the footprint to pet. So we are still in independent pharmacy, and we work very closely with independent owners. We also work with convenience stores. We work across the pet retail market. We work with wholesalers and distributors, some dot-com clients, and a number of service companies. And most of what we're doing is asking them questions about how they are satisfying their particular customer constituency and then identifying where there are gaps that could be filled, uh, whether it be in assortment decisions if they're a retailer or maybe technology decisions if they're a services company.
0: And... I think of the occasions I've had in speaking to pharmacists. I'm sure there there are plenty more. I just have not found them. But I can remember working in South Carolina and having a pharmacist come up and tell me that she had taken, when she was in college, a course in business management. And in my years of asking people who are pharmacists, she's the only one who I've ever found who says, yes, I did take a one business management course. The rest of them are like, no, I stayed in, in in the pharmacy area and perhaps they interned with a local pharmacist and the person was wanting to retire in the near future and made them a deal and they stayed on as compared to going into a, a hospital setting or uh, working for a chain store or something to a mail order company. And bingo, now you got a business owner.
1: Right. And, and you know, that's what imp- – it impresses me. Uh, small business owners always impress me. Let me start there. And it is usually driven by a deep-rooted passion to uh, – to fill a need in a community, fill a need in a marketplace, or bring joy to customers or, or, or others in their community. And if these small business owners, the most successful ones, Tom, are the ones who raise their hand real high and say, you know, I, I'm real passionate about my business, but I've got a couple of blind spots and I need some support. Can you can you bring me the areas that I need developed to be more successful in my business, and align some partners for me so that I can focus on what I do best. In this case, in that young woman's case, she wanted to serve patients from the prescription department. Hopefully she surrounded herself with a team of people or outside advisors who helped her run her business because there's a lot more to running a business than just being passionate.
0: Yes, yes, there is. Uh, since we both know the, the pharmacy area, I, I I think about an occasion in speaking to a group a bunch of years ago. We, I won't go back to decade, a bunch of years ago. And I can remember a pharmacist coming up and he gave me this son, let me tell you something here. You're talking about the, the front end of our business okay, stuff where they sell gifts and candies and sometimes clothing and all the -the over-the-counter medications, stuff in front of the counter, as they would say, or in front of the bench. And he says, we don't make money there. That's not where we make our money. We make care money working the bench and filling prescriptions. And I said, well, let me ask you about this one. If, If that's the case why is it when Charlie Walgreen builds a store, it's, say, 9,000 square feet, and the bench occupies some of it, but all the stuff I've just described occupies the overwhelming majority of the square footage? Is it because he just feels kind to the community and wants to be a nice guy and take care of them, Or do you think perhaps it's a case of he's found a way to make money in the front, and since your schooling was all in being a pharmacist, you haven't been exposed to something that would teach you how to make money on the front end. Uh, And my thought is, what this pharmacist needs to find uh, for the short term is, some retired person who owned a shop of some shape, form, or fashion, and... Turn them loose, just like uh, I, I can remember. Okay, this goes back more than a couple of days, a decade. Okay. That, that Walgreens originally had a store manager who was a pharmacist, but Walgreens growth came after they put a second person in the store. They kept the pharma- the manager who was a pharmacist, but they were assigned to only handle the pharmacy but this other person handled all the other square footage and, and knew how to run a store. And I think there's a lesson for a lot of us there. Finding, finding somebody who knows how to do it to teach us or finding someone such as yourself and listening to them.
1: That, you know, that definitely has been an area that we've been blessed to be able to support through the years for the pharmacy customers that we, that we do work with. They, they oftentimes leave their, um, their, their decisions about what merchandise to carry, how to place it on the shelf, how to arrange the front categories so that when somebody walks in the door, they're walking past some merchandise that they may just place in their basket. Because at the end of the day, that item may have a 35 or 40 percent margin to it. Whereas the prescription is low single digits today. So I, I think it's important to look at the totality of any business and understand some of it may be, may be nice to have, but most of it, if it's a necessity to the customer walking in the front door in the case of a the retailer, then let's do the most we can with that space and allow them to purchase products on their way to the in this case, pharmacy department. You know, my role as strategic relations um, affords me a tremendous opportunity, Tom, to not only be out at many of the trade associations and and do the public presentations that I have had the pleasure of of delivering through the years. I think at last count, I had delivered about 600 of them in my 30 years, 31 years with the company. But it, it also... Uh, pre- pre- presents the opportunity to talk to an awful lot of people. And I've often said that everybody that I interact with is a, is a thread, and that's not Meta's a major launch today, by the way, but is a thread in the tapestry that I've been knitting for many years. And absolutely everybody I meet has taught me something. And, and, and that's important. Uh, we're never going to stop learning. We might as well continue to be curious, ask questions, learn from each other. We'll grow as an individual.
0: So let me ask this question. So as we're going to talk about things tonight, your company, Hamaker, when you were mentioning some of the industries that you've worked in, I remember you saying pharmacy and hardware and pets, uh, do you work with – businesses in a one-on-one setting or are you working with them in the setting such as uh, these are, this is Ace Hardware or this is McKesson or Marisaurus or Cardinal in the or IPC in the pharmacy trade or this is Next Pet or something to that effect so w- is it both or or one of the two it, is there it is. yeah
1: the answer to that is it's an and we we Much of our work is a one-to-many, so to speak, where we're aligning with um, maybe it's a wholesaler or a distributor who wants to deliver a service to a group of independent stores that they're um, delivering product to, and they may end up being our client, and then we'll fashion a specific program that meets the requirements. In the case of uh, McKesson, maybe it's their Health Mart, group of stores, 5,000 pharmacies that rely on McKesson, we may be partnering with McKesson to create a HealthMart program. Having said that, we also do one-on-one consultation. Um, it is, there's a couple of different ways to do that. One of my favorite deliverables we have is, and I've, I've had the opportunity to be involved in a number of these is a service we call the 360 degree store assessment now again this is for retail and I know there are small business owners who are listening in on this conversation who aren't a retailer but that said it is an immersion if you will an immersion in their business in the case of a 360 store assessment we immerse ourselves in their business and walk in the front door as if we're a, a unsuspecting customer And we observe and we make recommendations back to that store about certain things, about their staff, about their ambiance, about their categorization, about their competition, their positioning, their marketing, their overall ability to serve their customer base. Now, if I was doing it for a small business owner, it wouldn't be a 360-degree store assessment. It would be a 360-degree business assessment. And rather than just looking at the financials, we would want to look at what's going on, what is their secret sauce, what is it that differentiates them in the market, what is their opportunity to go and grow beyond where they are today? Um, so those are a couple of examples of how we do kind of one-on-one business consulting. We also do it, Tom, with consumer packaged goods manufacturers. And I think I'm rambling a little too much, but I'll briefly say sometimes manufacturers of a product come to us. They're a small business, and they started it in their garage, and they come pretty happy with a product that has worked for, for a relative or a loved one or a neighborhood, and they want to bring it to market. And we have a process called concept through commercialization that literally moves that product through stage gates from an idea to the shelf or an idea to the Internet, if that's where they want to be. Um, So I'll comment more on that in a little while if you would like. But the simple answer is we work one to many and we work one to one.
0: We're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back.
2: Don't go away. This is PBN, the profitable business network from Profits Plus.
0: And this is Tom Shay, your host tonight on Thursday, July 6, 2023, for Small Business Conversations, a monthly program from Profits Plus where we find very interesting people who come to talk to us about small business, folks who are trying to donate an hour. Of their time, and we get to ask them all kinds of neat questions with the idea that each of our small businesses will benefit. Our guest tonight is Dave Winland, who is one of the owners of a company called Hammaker Resource Group. If you want to find Hammaker, it's hamacher.com. They're in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and the phone number is 414 355. And they are specialists in working with businesses in bringing products to market and helping those of us who are, are business owners to take our business to where we want to go. So as we're talking with Dave, I, I wrote down this thought, this question. So you mentioned this assessment that you're doing, this 360-degree assessment and you're visiting with the person, you're observing their business with an impartial eye. I want to ask the question, Dave, about the situation that once you have looked at it, you have comments, you have notes, you have a report and all, what about the challenge when it comes to implementing the idea uh, as compared to simply leaving an owner alone and calling them three or four months later and finding that they've done Absolutely nothing because they're sidetracked, distracted, or just can't get, seem to focus on stuff.
1: What about that part yeah. of, of dealing with a, a business owner? It's a, that's a great question, Tom, because every business owner is chief bottle washer and window washer and everything in between, and they simply don't have time to tackle a laundry list of what could be 20 or 30 items on a punch list of ways they could improve their business. So we try to take the mystery out of that by prioritizing them. And we look at it from a scale of two different factors for each of our recommendations. The first is, what kind of an impact will this have to your business? Is it a low impact item? Is it a high impact item? Followed by Is it a low investment or a high investment? So sometimes retailers or business owners will say, well, I want the highest impact, but the lowest investment. And that may be a path forward, and they could elect to activate one of those ideas. We do take it a step further and actually prioritize them beyond just the scale to say if it was our business, and we always look at it from the standpoint of if we were in their shoes, what would we do? We say if there was one thing that you were going to do this month, it would be this. And you know, some of it's a little more, takes a lot more time and maybe a little more planning than you might think. But some of these are quite simple ideas. Uh, Example, is there was a retail pharmacy that we were working with, and they were concerned because um, people were coming into the prescription department and sitting in the waiting chairs for the prescription and not shopping the store. So the suggestion we had was take one of the areas, the end cap area, directly across from it, and we actually assigned it to the pharmacist and said, Pick, put your favorite products on there. I just want you to put your favorite products and put a little sign on top that says pharmacist picks. And I want you to change that every 30 days. Well, not only did it ignite the shopper to look up from their chair because of the trust they had with the pharmacist, they actually bought the product. It actually ignited the pharmacist to become very proud of that little section that became a moneymaker in the front of the store, the area on the other side of the bench that they never thought they'd lay a hand on. So I, you know, small wins create big returns. Mm-hmm. I've said it for years. And if we prioritize it right, we give them the scale to look at the impact and the investment. Um, they don't have to drink from a fire hose. They can drip, drip, drip and make a huge impact on their business.
0: Very true. So as we're discussing tonight, I had shared with Dave um, a column. I don't remember what magazine I wrote it for initially, but it was my list of what I saw as the traits of the really good businesses. So I shared it with Dave. I asked him to read it and said, well, let's use some of these ideas as a basis. What I'm excited about is Dave says, well, we don't agree on all these points, and I'm like, super, that's the last thing I want, if someone who comes on our program and just agrees with me up and down with everything I say, no, I want to be uh, uh, counteracted, and have someone who goes, no, it doesn't work that way, great, tell me your experiences, it's going to be a, a wonderful experience for all of us. So. We're going to uh, do one of them before we take our bottom-of-the-hour station break, and then we'll see how many of the lists we can get through. My first one, Dave, when I see successful businesses, I see a business owner who is having fun, who enjoys what they do, that they are a a people person, love their customers, love their employees, love to to interact with folks, and... Looks upon their business as, wow, this is so neat that, that I, I get to do this. Uh, my experience was a person, who had sold their place, and years later, was met by a customer. I got to witness the situation, and the person was asked, "Gee, do you miss your store?" And it was a very short, short and quick, no, not in the least, and the customer was kind of surprised and goes. I don't miss the store. It was building and it was stuff. What I miss was the people who came in the store. I miss seeing them and talking to them and the experiences. And I miss the people that I worked with every day. So my first characteristic is people who enjoy being whatever business they're in. So... Tell me, it. are we going to agree or disagree on that one?
1: We're going to agree on that one. I, you've heard me use the term passion quite a bit this evening because, you know, it, it, it can't be faked. If a business owner is truly and authentically passionate about what they do, it attracts people toward them. It attracts customers. It attracts employees. It attracts uh uh, community leaders to say this person must love what they do and again it can't be faked um when i was i had my own company in san diego before joining Hamacher, and one of my passions at the time was running an improv comedy troupe and i had seven Mm. actors if you will who were part of my improv lineup. It was kind of a second, or whose line is it anyway, second city kind of thing. And every one of these individuals had day jobs, as did I. I had my own business. I was a marketing consultancy, but I had people who were customer service for an energy company and a a technical writer and, believe it or not, an electrical engineer. And every one of them may have had a horrible day, But when they walked into onto stage to perform, they exuded such passion. I've seen it in business owners much the same way. So I agree with you 100%. People must enjoy what they're doing to be successful in business, and I call it passionate.
0: Very good, Bob. In the hour, well, plus two minutes. Time for a station break. We allow our guest, Dave Wendland, to take a a quick drink. Uh, We play a little piano ditty that is called um, 88, because there's 88 keys on the piano, and the song is 88 seconds long. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Resource Group in Waukesha, Wisconsin. is Dave Winland, Vice President of Strategic Relations. And uh, in basic terms, it says they are a specialist in working with manufacturers, wholesalers, small business owners across a very wide range of um, of industries. And Dave, having been at it for a bunch of years, and for Dave uh, having we a lot of people. We invited him on the program tonight to share some with us, And we're going through a, a list of what we see as people's traits of people who are really good at what they do. Dave, item number two. A person's in a service business. Let's say um, he's an arborist, okay, takes care of trees, oh. and he, he owns this business. The trait that I see is that this person remembers that they are first an owner and an arborist second i'm licensed as an arborist but once i have a company my first responsibility is no longer being an arborist my first responsibility is that of being an owner because i can hire another arborist but i cannot go out and hire an owner somewhere i have to remember the prioritization uh, and using my skills as a business owner. That's my number two. How do you feel? We agree. We disagree. Different twist. Well, there's
1: always a different twist, and I can't disagree with it. Um, as you were playing the 88 keys song, I couldn't help but think about how that piano. Playing was enhanced greatly by the bass line and as an old bass player myself I was always in the background but I knew I was always supporting the ultimate tune I think the business owner in the case of the arborist example you're using is playing that piano he is tickling or she is tickling that ivory but has right next to him or her a tremendous bass player and you've got to recognize that if you put, surround yourself with really, really good people, you can focus on your business and rather than allowing your business to overcome you. So I agree 100%. You, you, the second trade of managing your business doesn't go away, but you do need supporting musicians to make that successful.
0: Very well said good good
1: comparison yes
0: uh, how dull it would be in, in almost all music if you didn't
1: have the bass player that's what I used to say but sometimes there were songs that didn't write me into them the way I had hoped
0: <laughs> I, I understand I was a trombone player and did not like the ones where we did not get to kind of show off. <laughs> so, um right third one the ones that really light me up are the owners that make a point to be active participants in their community, active participants in their trade association, but up to the point that their business is not suffering. I I say that from the perspective of having seen businesses where Something has happened in the business. It's not going as it should, and the owner is distracted. Oh, this is what I do in the community, and it's like the community is not what needs your attention right now. It's your business. It needs it needs your focus because things aren't going right. All right, so that's my third. Taking taking yeah,
1: with with. Yeah, I I struggled with this one a little bit, not because I disagree that. Um, I I agree 100% that they should be active in their community and in their trade association. I I tend to disagree a little bit that they don't have capacity um, to be the busiest person. You know, it's often been said that if you want something done at all, you give it to the busiest person. Successful entrepreneurs, successful business people seem to have a voracious um, uh, or, or... Endless amount of energy to put into their community, into their trade association, into their business. And I fear that if they're not, you know, stepping into it, leaning into those conversations with the community or with their trade association, that they're going to become complacent. The best business owners are those that keep themselves Mm -hmm. very, very busy. So my encouragement on this trait is. Yes, don't lose sight of the business you're in and don't take your eye off the ball. But you can multitask. And I think the most successful business owners in the country that I have met are tremendous multitaskers.
0: Which drives some people crazy. I'm thinking of my wife that never can I love her dearly cannot grasp that I can handle about 3 or 4 things all at once. I, I I struggle with dropping everything and focusing only on one thing. I just I'm watching. I'm always watching and learning. And like I say, multitasking is important because you can't always
1: put a prioritization to what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm somewhat of a plate spinner myself, Tom. I, you know, I'll start a little project over on the right. I was I was cooking dinner last night, and I had a couple things on the stove top, and I had a couple things on the cutting board, and I had one hand in the refrigerator, and I didn't burn a single thing. So it is possible to multitask. You just have to be aware of your surroundings and aware of your capacity. Okay,
0: number four. I
1: see that the
0: best people make a point to go to trade shows, conferences, uh, seminars, or continuing education with the right attitude. Uh, I had a person who years ago copied the postcard that I have always given to people in all the educational sessions I've taught. You know, here's the here's the postcard, tell me what you're gonna do as a result of this, and I mail them all back to people two weeks later to get them prompt to do something. And this person takes uh, a little twist different than mine. But the, as while I'm not so sure I want to do it, it's like, but they are right. The top line says on a score on a scale of one to ten, with ten being superior, this session was a whatever number they choose. And the person I'm watching says, so folks, let me tell you this. If you come in with an attitude towards learning of a seven, then my session cannot be any better than a seven. It's contingent upon you. I can give you a ten session, but only if you come in with a a ten attitude that says, I'm either going to learn from this person or I'm going to get a confirmation from this person of what I'm doing is in the right direction, or perhaps it's a i I know I've tried that idea and it does not work for me, but i'm I'm always picking something out of whatever session I go to so trait number four is the idea of always wanting to to learn and where I take this a step further from you working in the pharmacy field a friend of mine is a dentist and I asked him in the state that he lives in what's the requirement of hours of continuing education that's required of him by his state and the answer was 24 hours every other year and I said and and you what do you do he says I will get 24 hours at least by the first 90 days of any given year. Not that I quit at that point, but I will have it, I'll have a two year requirement in within 90 days of every year. To which I pose people now which person do you want as your dentist? The one who takes the wow. minimum requirement or the one who heavily invests in learning how to be better? So that's my number four.
1: Back to you. Yeah, I mean, anybody who wants to be successful in business, successful in parenting, successful in as a community leader, has to be a lifelong learner. No one knows everything. No human does. So we need to be aware of or have a thirst to be educated, a thirst to learn. And there are a lot of options out there. Uh, One of the great ones is certainly small business conversations with Tom Shea. Another would be uh, the trade events and the seminars. But whether they're in-person, they're virtual, they're hybrid, they're roundtables, uh, there's really no excuse for not learning. Um, and there, you have to yearn to learn, I say, which means never be satisfied with how much you know. Go out and learn something new today. The other way to learn is break habit. Um, I talk to a lot of business owners who are pretty much, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but they're not changeable. They drive to work exactly the same day. They, they go in the door that they've always gone in. They go get their coffee and they put it on their table next to their stack of work. And the first thing they may do is you know, open the, the to-do list for the day. Um, And and that's okay, But if you do that day after day after day, you're not really learning anything new. Um, I recently moved to Tennessee, Tom, as you know, but when I was back in the office several days a week, I would not only drive to work in a different direction because I wanted to see something new and learn something. I always made it a point to walk the aisles of the office and talk to as many people as I could. But I always made it a point to talk it to at least one individual I hadn't spoken to in a while to learn something new about them personally, about the business project they're working on, about a client conversation they may have had. And every one of those stepping out of my norm made me a better person. So I I am all for lifelong learning. I'm yearning for learning myself.
0: Well, that kind of ties into another trait I want to share. I I think of a person I know in the automotive industry, uh, let's see, second generation, very sharp young man. And when he is interviewing someone in his business, one of his questions is, tell me about the book you are currently reading. great question that, that, that's short and simple so my my trait and my qu- question at that point says people who are successful who are growing their business are reading business books okay not not tom clancy john grisham or sue grafton or those people but reading business books to prompt them to think that is compared to watching the news or reading a newspaper Books that challenge you and share ideas uh, because I find books are, are not necessarily in the doom and gloom area. They're sharing experiences. And a little, I don't know how to describe it, a little snippets, a little rare type of thing, I will say, the average small business owner does not read business books. Perhaps that is why
1: They are average. Yes. Well said. I'm a. I'm guilty of not reading enough, but the, the, my my son, I use him as an example here. Tom, my son Harrison, when he was, um, senior in college, had read that the average CEO reads sixty books a year. And to your point, he said. He said, Dad, I, I don't want to be average. So he read 120 that year. 120 books. Oh. Oh, and wow. each, each year since, he's read 100. And there are books that stretch his imagination. And it was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said, once you stretch your imagination beyond its limitation, it never returns to its original dimension. And I will tell you that my son Harrison's mind has been stretched so far that the books he has read has allowed him to grow exponentially compared to other individuals his age because he's stretched so far. So yes, read books. I read a great one the other day. It was called "The Dream Manager." actually it was a friend of Harrison's who sent it to me and uh it was a, a portrayal of a company wherein the owner of the company made it a point to going and talking to every employee and asking them what their dream was and then sitting down with them and crafting a plan for their growth in the company to realize their dream. I loved it, and I would strongly recommend it. I've written it this. down. Yeah, it's by a gentleman named Jackson Kelly. It's a really good one. Um, fast read. But to your point, reading and getting knowledge beyond your industry, too. I I think sometimes people say, well, I read the trade publications, and that's enough. Well, you're only going to read that you're feeding yourself the same diet that everybody else in your industry is reading. I say read something from another industry. Read the Amazon book about why the flywheel was such a successful concept when Amazon first launched read Elon Musk's book and understand what his thought process is when he's dreaming of an idea read a book that stretches your imagination so it never returns to its original dimension
0: to that point uh, let me point out to everyone when you visit our website profitsplus.org there is a page we have created That has a list of some 200 small business books listed by category, title of book, and author of just neat books, things like the one that Dave is suggesting to us tonight, books that someone has said, wow, I got a lot out of this book, and if you um, read our newsletter, every month we give you a, a short book review of something else that a person has suggested, just like the one that's sitting on my desk, Hug Your Customers, which we talked about in our July uh, Small Business Newsletter. Let's see if we can squeeze two more in, Dave. Yep. There's advertising and there's promoting. Here's my definition. Advertising is talking to the public. Promoting is talking to your customers. Advertising is traditionally more expensive, promoting less expensive, but it deals with the concept I'm going to spend my money to retain my people as compared to spend money trying to attain new customers. So I categorize this one as my my successful business person understands and facilitates the difference between advertising and promoting.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is an important aspect. I don't put it in my top 10. Um, and, and the reason I don't put it in my top 10 is most small business owners are historically not great marketers. And and I, I'm saying that painting with a very, very broad brush. I understand that there will be you know hundreds of callers that will call you and say, well, I'm a great marketer and I'm a business owner. But at the end of the day there are experts in marketing and there are experts in the field, the chosen field that that business owner has entered. I think if you find a trusting relationship with somebody who understands marketing and advertising and promotion, that that you basically turn the reins over to them. And the reason I'm suggesting that is your time is going to be far better spent as a business owner working on the consistency of your deliverable. Focus on your business, focus on growing beyond, giving something extra special in a consistent service or product to your customers. Because if you don't do that right, you can advertise until you're blue in the face and no one will show up at your door. So focus on your business and turn the reins over to somebody whose expertise is advertising and marketing.
0: I'll go along with you wholeheartedly. I, I cringe at the number of conferences that there is a speaker there that is trying to teach owners how to do Facebook Instagram Twitter perhaps LinkedIn I cringe for two reasons one I'm the owner of the business I, I'm with you Dave I don't want to do this job I want someone else I, I didn't learn how to design newspaper ads When that was the prime way how we advertised, why should I sit there and spend all my time not running my business, but learning how to work in the social media? My second cringe is, as I expect you have probably seen, going to conferences and trade shows and listening to these speakers. You're basically hearing a 60-minute presentation to show you how complex it is, and at the end, here's my business card, so you need to hire me.
2: I'm realizing I think True. it's
0: set for a 60-minute commercial.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's, there's some of that out there. Um, but there is another risk, which is, you know, talk about social media, a great example. Um, everybody knows somebody in their family, their neighborhood, their extended family, maybe their strange son or daughter, I don't know, who dabbles in web design for social media. And they raise their hand and say, oh, I can do that for you. And it won't cost you anything. I'd be very, very cautious about an amateurish approach to what ought to be, if it's a a critical element of a business, then spend the resources and and invest in it to make it a critical amount part of your business. If, on the other hand, it's just a, a throwaway and you don't really care about it, Don't do it at all. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, And I say that about many things. Um, There's, you get what you pay for, and you'll get uh, the amount of energy you put into it, and the amount of time and attention you give to it is about the amount of return you're going to get from. So with four minutes left,
0: let's let me turn the table backwards. What would be a couple of key traits of the successful people that I don't think
1: of, but you do because you've got a lot more experience? yeah, I was hoping you'd ask that Tom, because after reading your eleven traits i i'm I don't have the mind capacity to keep track of the eleven things and and I'm of old school where I like uh static like abbreviations and um acronyms. So I came up with the word PACE, P-A-C-E. My four traits like that I would recommend. I'm kind of like the pharmacy group, only don't tell them I'm using the word PACE. Um, gotcha. I want a business owner to keep PACE with their market. So PACE, the first one is passion. Um, I've talked about it a lot. It's, it's really loving to make a difference in whatever you're doing as your business. Passion is first. And we agreed with that as our first trait. The second is awareness. Awareness to me is awareness of what market need are you fulfilling as your business. So using your arborist example, what is the market need they're fulfilling? Be very aware and intentional about what it is. Also be aware of competition and aware of your weaknesses so that you can line yourself up with good partners. So awareness is number two. Number three is curiosity. We talked about reading books. Yogi Berra used to say, you can see a lot just by looking around, like paraphrase that, but be curious, look around, ask questions, lean into the conversation and learn from every opportunity to interact with somebody. So curiosity is number three and my last is energy be goal-oriented push the envelope a little bit further always strive there's there's two ways to grow a business one is iterative change I'm going to make small changes over time and eventually I'll realize something bigger or breakthrough innovation a revolution if you will with the right amount of energy a business owner can move from where they are today and break through to a whole new level if they have the courage to do so. So passion, awareness, curiosity and energy to keep pace with your business.
0: I like that. I've written them all down. So don't be surprised if you see yourself quoted somewhere in the near future.
1: Well it's from what you had to say. You know what it's, they're not they're not all that original Tom. I I think you know you'll talk to 10 successful business owners and I think of the 10 these types of words are going to come out they might also talk about empowering their staff or they might talk about hiring experts or they might talk about differentiation or positioning their business but at the end of the day it's all about passion awareness curiosity
0: and energy Next month, my friends, our scheduled guest is to be Jacob Curtis. Jacob is a CPA that doesn't sound or talk like a a CPA, and we are discussing with Jacob right now uh, a couple of topics, one of which is when you are looking at your business and you're thinking about adding something or making a change to your business, how do you determine whether or not this is an opportunity Or perhaps this is a trap, and you're not going to be successful at it. That's August. Hope to have Jacob with it at that point. Our guest tonight has been Dave Winland. Dave is from Hamacher, and it's spelled H-A-M-A-C-H-E-R dot com. They're in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And if you've been fascinated, as I have, with his thoughts, realize that what Dave does professionally is helping independent small businesses to look for opportunities, to resolve problems, to refocus a business, many, many different aspects. That's what they do. You can find, again, Hamacher at com. Our phone number of 414-355-1330. With that, I say to my good friend Dave, whole hour to
1: talk with you. This was great tonight. I much appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much, Tom. And uh, good luck to all of the business owners out there. And, and I'm at, at their uh, at their disposal if I can be of assistance.
0: And this is Tom Shea from Small Business Conversations for July 2023. Thanks for being with us. Be sure to join us when we get together again next month. We had a good
2: It has been our pleasure to share fresh ideas and trends from premier small business owners, coaches, and resources. Join Tom Shea and guests next month right here on Small Business Conversations from Profits Plus Solutions. This is PBN, the Profitable Business Network. Visit our website to learn more about us at profitsplus.org. There, you will find our catalog of small business conversations, articles and advisories, news, meeting planners, calculators, and resources. Also, we invite you to connect with Profits Plus Solutions on our various social media channels. Please like or connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, SlideShare, Twitter, and YouTube. We have links to all our social media channels on our homepage at ProfitsPlus.org. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir.